So as we begin today, I want to talk about the urgency of the gospel. Now, we've gone through the last six weeks about the colors of salvation. You should know how to share the gospel with somebody. And one of the questions I asked along that line was, you know, when's the last time you really shared the gospel with somebody? You know, when's the last time you, you actually sat down and, and walked somebody through it? And there's a lot to living the faith. I think that's a, a wonderful thing that we need to do. But we also sometimes need to ask the question. We need to um, get people to that point of, of decision to um, make a commitment or to not make a commitment. And again, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. But sometimes we just think we just sit back and it's just going to happen. And it usually very seldom happens that way. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. God has called us to be workers in this field. And I know the world has this theory that, you know, we work to a certain age and then we retire. And we think that sometimes retiring is maybe sitting back on a, in a rocking chair, just doing the things that we enjoy. But in God's army, we've never really retired. And so when we look at things, when we look at the mission of the church, and as we went through the colors of the gospel or the colors of salvation. One was go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to obey all things. And so we, we know what the mission of the church is. And one of the missions that we wrote here is the mission of the church is the making of disciples of all nations. So we can look overseas, we can say, well, yeah, Mexico's a, a, a good place to go, or, um, you know, this place or that place. But I really think one of the biggest mission fields right now in the world is, is right here in America. And as we look at things, and as we come into this election year, I want you to think of your responsibility um, of sharing the gospel. Because a lot of times when we come to politics, when we come to things of this world, we're looking at it through worldly eyes. So we may say, well, uh, this candidate's going to be better for... Uh, you know, my pocketbook. This one's going to be better for my health care. This one's going to be better for this or, or better for that. And really what I want to do is I want to challenge you to have a Christian worldview. And one of the questions I, I've been asking people since this corona thing has come is, is are you a, a um, Christian American or are you an American Christian? And really the emphasis that you put on that can, can mean a lot of different things. If, if I'm an American first and a Christian second, then all the things that I think that should benefit me are going to come first. But if I'm a Christian first and American second, and the Bible tells us that this is not our home, this is not our kingdom, um, God has a place for us, then it changes our worldview a little bit. So uh, there's nothing wrong with being an American, with being a proud American. We need to be a proud American. We need to stand up for our rights. I'm not saying anything about that. We, we love our country. We love our, our veterans. We love our ones that, that serve this country. We love the freedoms that we have. Places around this world would die to have what we have. And right now, we find a lot of us probably complaining about some things that are getting uh, squeezed out a little bit or that were perceived are being taken away. But still, a majority of the world would die to have the things that we have right now. So we live in a great country. But I want us to look at the thought of a Christian worldview. So when you make your decision, 
Are you looking at what God's word says? Are you looking at, at what his principles are? Are you valuing the things that God is, is valuing? And really it, it bleeds over even to sharing the gospel with people. Because one of the reasons I ask if you shared the gospel is if you haven't shared the gospel with anybody in a long time, my question might be is, do you really care about people? Because as we just shared, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. They are, are dying without Christ. Every day, people are dying without Jesus in their life. And so we know that one of the things is to make a disciple of all nations. So that's not just necessarily getting them saved, though that's a very important part of it, the most important part. But making a disciple is being a student of, making somebody a, a student of, a follower of Jesus. Because Lord knows we have a, a, a country full of people that are professing Christians that are not following Jesus. And so we know that one of the missions is to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. And it tells us here that it's achieved through the proclamation of the gospel. So it's based upon God's word. We need to share God's word. My opinion really doesn't matter. God's word does. Now, if my opinion is God's word, then, then my opinion means something. But it's really God's word that means everything. So we need to proclaim the gospel. We need to defend the gospel also by exposing the folly of other world views. And so when we look at things, we look at, well, what is a world view? What is your world view? So as a Christian, I would say my worldview is the Bible. The Bible is right in all areas of, of life. There's nothing that, that I can argue with in the Bible to say, well, you know, the Bible's wrong on this instance. If the Bible calls something sin, it's sin. It's clear. Now, I, I may disagree with that, but that just means I'm wrong. The Bible isn't wrong. That just means I'm wrong. But when I have a, a biblical worldview, that means that I am viewing things in light of God's word. And so, sort of like through the, through the lenses of the Bible. So when I'm looking at people, I'm not just seeing this or that. I'm seeing things maybe as God would have seen them, or how God would have responded. And we ask ourselves that question sometimes, what would Jesus do? Do I respond the way that God would respond to a situation? And we can look in the world today and we can see a lot of division. We were up at our, our um, children's place up in the cities and I was talking with my son-in-law and, and uh, he says, you know, I never remember our country being so divided, people being so angry, people being so bitter. And, and when you really stop and look at this, it's on both sides. It's on both sides. There's not just one bitter group. There's bitter groups all over. And they're all fighting and they're all dividing over things. And the challenge is this, is to get our eyes back on God. So I believe in the sovereignty of God. You should too. The sovereignty of God means that God is in control. Nothing happens that God does not allow to happen. That doesn't relegate us from doing our duty to vote or to stand up for things. We can't just sit back and say, well, God's in control. He's going to take care of it either way. He will. We still have responsibilities. But we need to look at things through, through the eyes of the Bible. And are we doing that? That's the worldview we need. When we, when we go to uh, vote on things, when we go to elect officials, when we uh, do anything in, the, in our life, you know, we don't go help somebody to get something back. 
Ethel's got a flat tire. We're probably going to take care of her tire after church. We don't go do that because we want something from Ethel. We do that because we love Ethel. And we want Ethel to have her car all ready to go for whatever she needs to do this week. See, there's a difference. The world says we do this to get this. We do things to, to line our pockets. I know people, I've worked with the state for 33 or so years. A lot of people vote in a certain way because maybe it's pro-union or maybe they feel that they're going to get more money if this person is in or this person's out. We can't do that. As believers, we need to look at God's word and say, what does God's word say? And so, what is your view? Are you a Christian American or are you an American Christian? And ask yourself that question. And are you looking at things through a Christian worldview? Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's a good definition of a, of a Christian worldview. And as you look at that, as you break that down, though we walk in the flesh, we're in this world. Things that happen in this world affect us. This corona affects all of us somehow. The, the mandates or the laws that get put in place, they affect us somehow, either negatively or positively, depends on what you think about it. But they affect us. It affected our church for several months. It still does. We sort of seed our, our things a little differently, and we've, we've had to cancel some things, or we have canceled some things. Uh, for safety purposes. So it's affected all of us. We walk in this flesh. We deal in the flesh. I mean, that's just the reality of things. Okay? But he tells us, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Our battle is not with flesh and bones of people. The things that are going on in this world are spiritual. Satan has a dominion on this earth, and he is fighting. And he's using whatever he can to accomplish his purposes. In the same hand, God is continually at work. He is sovereign in what he is doing, but he is continually at work. And those are things we can't always see, tangible, like you and I. We can't like just look and say, oh yeah, here's God walking down the street doing this. No, we don't see that. But that's the battle that is going on. It's a spiritual battle that is going on, and Satan is going to use whatever he can. So he will use Christians... They got their eyes on the wrong thing. He's going to use bitterness. He's going to use uh, evil. He's going to use whatever it is that can stir us up to be a bad example of what a Christian should be. So God has called us, again, to be examples to all, all the world. Okay? So it, it begins with us. So we need to think about the things that we say. We need to think about how we say things. We need to, to look at how we talk about others. You know, we, we don't want to put others down. Okay, we can speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love. And when we're doing this, we are examples to others. And it's the example, it's that light that we shine, which is Christ through us, that is going to draw others unto him. And so for some people... Um, as the saying sort of goes, we may be the only Jesus some people see, or we may be that introduction conduit of that light that brings people to Christ. 
How can you not be upset? How can you be this way? How can you be that way? How do you handle others? You know, I have a, a young man that was in my, my Sunday school growing up. He's very upset about some things in, in the political realm. And, and I don't normally get very political in, in the things that I say because I want to put people back towards God's word. But we've had some very good discussions um, about thoughts and about character and about these things that, that are important to him that he's not seeing necessarily where I'm seeing things. And so I could just be very abrupt with him and say, well, this is how it is, and you're either this or that. But you need that dialogue. You need to be open and talk with people because it's a spiritual battle that's going on. Satan is going to use whatever he can in our lives to derail us from keeping our eyes on Christ. So he tells us that our warfare is not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I understand that God can do anything that he wants. God is in control. Satan's not in control. Satan is just trying to derail things. He's just trying to throw confusion in there. He's just trying to get us to get our eyes off the road and, and, and look at the deer in the field. Because that's how accidents happen, right? Driving down the road, oh man, look at that big buck. And pretty soon we're, you know, we're going to the cities today and or yesterday, or Friday was it? We were driving anyways, we were crossing one of these busy bridges. It's like a little anthill up there. And we're going down the, the highway and it's about 15 miles an hour stop and go. And all of a sudden the traffic's moving and it sort of stops. And it just happened as I'm slowing down, I look in my rear view mirror. And I see the guy behind me looking down at his phone. Boom! He ran right into the back of me. Now, luckily there wasn't any damage done. But that's what happens in our life. He took his eyes off the road. He took his eyes off of what he should have been paying attention to. And there was an accident. That's how Satan works. Satan gets us in this world to get our eyes off of the important things. Off of family, off of relationships, off of the love of Christ, off of sharing the gospel. And he wants to get us all wound up and everything else. And we need to stop. And we need to get our eyes back on Christ. Because it is God, when we put our faith and our trust in him, it is God that can pull down those strongholds. It is God that is going to use, you know, all through history. I want to say this because whoever gets in elected this year, God has used all through history evil men, corrupt men, men of not good character to accomplish his purpose and his will. So if, if the person that we don't think gets in, gets in, God can still do what God needs to do. We need to understand that. Our faith and our trust needs to be in him. Our eyes need to be upon him. God will accomplish his purpose. Because it is him who can pull down all these high things. And all these ones that are, are mocking God right now. Those ones that won't give answers about the value of life. Or caring about others. They're all going to have to give an account someday for those things. But God is able to do that. And it says... Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what we need to do as believers. We need to bring all of our thoughts into obedience to Christ. To follow him and what he has for us in his word. His word needs to be the highest thing that we follow in this life and in this world. You know, there's a, a, a scripture in 1 Peter 3. It says this, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. 
Listen to Peter. If we suffer for doing what is right, we are still blessed. Don't compromise your beliefs. Don't compromise what is right to go along with the crowd that is doing wrong. Because even if we suffer for doing righteousness, suffer for doing what is good, what is right, he says we will be blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone for the reason of that hope that is within you. Sanctify the Lord your God. That means set him apart in your heart. Hold him in the highest esteem in your life to where he needs to be. And it says, and always be ready to give an answer for that hope that lies within you. We call that apologetics. So when somebody says, why do you believe this? You have a biblical answer to do this. You can't say, well, I'm, just, I'm this way because I like this person or I like that person. You need to give a biblical reason why you believe what you believe. You know, why do we stand against abortion? Why do we, you know, value life? Why are we against euthanasia? Why are we against assisted suicide? Well, because the Bible says God values life very high. And so we look at that. But you can do that with anything. I mean, you can look at any of the topics that are out there. Those are just a few that are out there. But we can look at those and say, why do we value those things? And we need to stand and we need to be ready to give that answer because the, if the answer is, well, just because it's the right thing to do. And I'll tell you, as, as right-wing conservatives sometimes, we, we get sort of wound up and we stammer and stutter and we don't give the answer. We just, well, because it's the right thing to do and, and you should know better. And, you know, people don't want to hear that. We want to have a reason why. Because, you know, if a person has a reason why they believe something and, and they, can, they can show me why they believe it, then, then I can honor their belief, even if, we're, even if we're not on the same page with that. But just to get upset and just to argue about those things is not the right thing to do. So we need to be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for that hope that is within you. Why do you have that hope in your life? What is it that makes your life different? than the person across the street. You know, we, we are believers. We are Christians. We are Christ followers that are sitting here today. When we look out at the world, the world is lost. It's hard to get mad at people that are lost because they don't know any better. They're walking in ignorance sometimes. But we have truth. And so we want to share the truth of God's word. Not my truth, not your truth but God's truth. And so be ready to give that answer. It says, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. Listen to those characteristics. You know, in, in, a, in a world where many of our leaders lack character, God is telling us the character we need. We need to be meek. We need to be humble in our approach. We need to have fear and respect for God's word and, and what he would have us to do. It says also having a, a good conscience or a clear conscience. You know, we shouldn't be feeling guilty about things. We, if, if you're walking and doing what is right, you should have this clear conscience, this good conscience. And it says, and when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So when people talk bad about you, they really know it's not right and, and they're feeling bad about that. 
For it is better, it says, and this is again in 1 Peter 3, 13 through 18. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than doing evil. If you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good. Suffer for doing that which is right. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, putting to death the flesh, being made alive in the spirit. So we look at that. Is that what you're doing with God's word? Is that what you're doing in your life? Are you walking that walk that God has called us to walk? Lost my page here. So in Acts, then Paul, it was his custom, was going to the synagogue. He'd go in. He said he went to them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus who I preach to you is the Christ. Paul didn't go in there all gangbusters, yelling and hollering and telling people they're stupid and wrong. He went in there and he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Let me show you. That's why we've spent the last six weeks going through the salvation message. So you can sit down and you can walk a person through a path. It's like if I'm lost and I'm thinking, well, what's the quickest way to clear? And I think, well, I, you know, I'll have to go to Fairchild and then, you know, then over to Osseo and, and then up. And, and Larry says, here, let me show you on a map the best way to go. This is the best way. As a matter of fact, because the road is out, this is the only way to go. That's reasoning with people. You sit down and you show them the things that they need to see and the things that we need to share. That's sharing the gospel. The gospel presentation, simply put, is the good news of Christ. We want to share Jesus in their life. What he did. Remember? Black is sin, right? Red was the blood of Jesus. He paid for our sin. Gold. Eternal life. We're going to have streets of gold, but he's given us this eternal life. White, he wants us to, to walk in holiness. He wants to cleanse us from those sins. He wants us to, to be pure. The blue, you know, the, the picture of baptism. Jesus died and was buried and he rose again. And, and that's what our life is when we turn it over to him. He has done that work in us and we're dead to our old self and we've risen in this new life. And the green is then we begin to grow. And we continue to grow our whole life. It's the good news. It's about what God has done in and through Jesus Christ to reconcile sinners unto himself. Because we said that, that what sin does is it destroys the relationship. Our country right now has terrible relationship with one another. It's, it's similar to the Civil War. If any of you have ever studied history, you know, back in the, the Union and the Confederate. Brothers were on both sides of the war. Families were divided. States were divided. Counties were divided. The country was divided. We are like that today. And there's one that can reconcile, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so what we need to do is be faithful to him and draw people unto him. Now the Bible also tells us that it's going to show who's right or wrong. There's times that that needs to happen just to, to show what is right and what is wrong. We need to be faithful to God. We don't, we don't conform ourselves to the world just for peace sake. We stand for truth. But we need to understand that it is only through Jesus that it's going to reconcile sinful man 
unto himself. But we also need to apply these things in our life. To live peaceably with all men as much as depends on us. You know, there's ones I know that I can't fight with them because they're, they're never going to change their mind. And so I'm not going to even waste my time. They know what I believe. I let them know what I believe. But I'm not going to fight with them because the fighting doesn't do any good. We stand in the truth that Christ has given us and that's where we need to be. The two principles for sound apologetics, this is that defense that he's talking about that we need in our life. To know the Bible, the fundamental doctrines. You say, why is it important that I read my Bible? Can't I just listen to the radio? Can't I just, you know, I come and I hear, uh, you know, a fairly good message every now and then here and, and uh, I read my daily bread. No, we need to be versed in the Bible. The fundamental doctrines and key scriptures, you know, the consistency that we need in our life and how we live it. We need that. And do we have that in our life? So as we look at God, there's one true God. He has revealed himself in his word. The word is the most important thing that we can share with anyone. And it's what we need to do. He is holy and just. He's the creator of all things. Again, sovereignty, ruling all of his creation. God is in control. Why do we pray? Do, do I really believe that, that my prayer is going to heal somebody? I, I let my request be made known unto God. Because I believe God can do what God needs to do. So that's where our, that's where our, our faith and our trust needs to be put. We go to God and we pray for things, letting him know our heart, but putting our cares into his hands and letting him take care of it. It's like the little child that's learning to, to ride the bike. You got him going down the road, you know, and you got the training wheels on for a long time. And sometimes you're sort of running alongside him. I couldn't do it no more if I tried, but you used to run alongside, sort of hang on to it. But pretty soon there's that time that comes, you got to sort of let go. And that child is, is sort of on their, on their path. I like to look at that sort of as prayer. We need to learn to let go and let God have it. And accept what it is that God does with that prayer. Well, sometimes we can be persistent with prayer too. If it doesn't happen the way we want, we can continue to be persistent about it. But we need to let God be in control. So are we doing that? All the praise, honor, and glory are, are due Him. And then we have man. Man is separated from Him, spiritually dead turned off to the things of God. When we look at the world today, they're, they're trying to take God out of everything. I think we realize that. You know, I was born in 61, and I know from back when I was born, and it was probably back before then too, but I mean, there was big pushes to get God out of this and God out of that. And, you know, we, we can't even mention, you know, I think in one of the debates they even said one of the uh, the participants misquoted uh, one of our f former presidents and left out a part about our creator in Christ because they didn't want to offend somebody. We need to understand that man is separated from God and that the world is turned off to the things of God. 
But that's why God has called us, is to bring light into a dark world. You know, tells us one day man is going to physically die. Because the result of that is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. The wages of sin is death. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love them even if they're a different political affiliation? Do you love them even if they think differently on, on certain key issues? Because God has called us to love people, not politics. And again, politics is important. We live in this world. We have a responsibility to do the things that God has called us to do as far as political things go. But I challenge you to look at people beyond their affiliations, beyond, you know, we talk all about things. Look beyond their social economic, look beyond their race, look beyond their, their uh, you know, political affiliation. And see the person that Christ died for. And when you can have that relationship with them, saying, you know, we can share this in Christ, it makes a world of difference in your effectiveness to others. You want to share the gospel? You got to have an open door. You can't just have these doors slammed on one another. God is holy and just. There's a day when he's going to judge all mankind. I'm glad that I'm not going to be the one to have to judge. And I think we need to stop judging people in certain areas on certain things. And leave it to God. God has called us to be ambassadors. He's called us to be reconcilers. Because he has given us that ministry of reconciliation. And again, it's not that we don't stand in the truth. We stand in the truth. All of us have convictions here. Any of you that know me, you know I'm a biblical conservative. I believe strongly what the Bible says. And it's alienated me from some friends, some Christian friends, because I take a strong stand on, on some of the things the Bible says. I believe that. But I don't hate people because they don't see it the way that I see it. The thing we're going through in the world right now with this pandemic is, is a good example. And I'm so proud of our church in this. We have people in our church that believe in the mask and they, they want to wear the mask all the time. They don't want people without a mask to get too close to them. I am perfectly fine with that. That's great. We have other people that, that think the mask is foolish and it's not needed. and That's fine. That, that's not going to prevent me from worshiping with you either way. I want you to know that. If you're more comfortable with me with a mask on by you, I will wear a mask. If you don't want me wearing a mask by you, I won't wear a mask by you. It doesn't make a difference. I'm not going to let that hinder my fellowship with other believers. And it's sad that the world is doing it. It's sad that the churches in our country are splitting over these things. We, there, I, I know one of the churches that my kids go to, they said that there's a big division because some of them just think it's foolish. They have to wear, you know, Eau Claire is a little bit different. they got some bigger churches and different things, different dynamics that are going on. And I think God has called us to love one another, to fellowship with one another, to get into his word, to learn his word. Why do we let little things divide us? Why do we let things of this world divide us? When the things that 
really are important are the spiritual things. But we're doing it. And it's, it's really sad that we're doing it. For Jesus Christ, he's holy and righteous mediator. He's the only way. He's the only one. This needs to be our focus as we talk with people. The first thing, really, when any of us meet somebody on the street or if we're sitting with a family member, and I'll challenge you with it, you can look to the person to your left or your right. Does this person know Christ? That should be a question. I'm going to meet somebody after church for lunch today. As you're sitting there, maybe just the thought should come, does this person, is this person born again? Does this person know Jesus? And if not, our whole agenda should change. Because my whole goal at that point should be to introduce the gospel, the urgency of that gospel. We just heard about two people dying today during our prayer requests. And, you know, we can look around and there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people that die each and every day. A lot of them without Christ. That needs to be the first question. Is this person a Christian? If they're not, we need to find some way to get into that person's life and share what Christ has done for us. Are you urgent about that thing? Because he's the only way. He's not a way. He is the only way. Okay? Buddha doesn't do it. Allah doesn't do it. It's Jesus Christ, Christ alone. The Bible's very clear on that. He's the one mediator that reconciles two parties. Have you shared that with somebody? Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who became a man in order to properly represent us. We think about that. God became a little lower than the angels. He came down amongst us and walked. You know, that wasn't any, any uh, promotion by any means to become a man. We think we're the top of the, the food chain and that we're all that there is and oh, to be human. God lowered himself to be like us. But he did it because he had a love for us. He did it that he could show us the way. And I'm not going to share the story today, but Paul Harvey has a, an excellent little blurb about a winter storm at Christmas time when his wife went to, uh, not him, he was telling the story, but the guy's wife went to church and he was there and there was a winter storm and the birds were out flocking around. Look that up on YouTube, it's a wonderful story. But Jesus is the way. And he became lower than the angels to walk amongst us, to show us the way, to show us how to love, to show us how to respond to people. We see how he, he dealt with a prostitute up on the hill. We see how he dealt with the Pharisees. He's, we saw how he dealt with the, the tax collectors. We saw how he dealt with those that nailed him to the cross. We saw how he interacted with people. If you want to know how to interact with people, get into the Gospels. Read through them, and Jesus will show you how to respond to people. He'll show you how to talk to people. He'll show you how to treat people. He'll show you the priorities that we need with people. He's the only mediator. He did what we cannot do. Sometimes I think as, as believers and as Christians and as right wings and as whatever we are, sometimes we think that we're going to change the world. But it's only God that's going to change it. Jesus lived in perfect obedience, suffered and died in place of sinners. That's the gift that he gave us. That's what we need to be willing to share with people. He rose in victory from the grave. 
He sits at the right hand of God the Father, where he reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is in control. He is on the throne. We have nothing to fear. No, Paul had this, this deal. You know what? If they take my life, so be it. To be at home with God is grander than to be here. But he says, as long as I'm here, God's got work for me to do. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God is in control. God reigns. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is salvation in no one else. For God has provided no other means of salvation. So when you're sitting with your loved one, when you're sitting with your family member, when you're sitting with your friend or your neighbor or your co-worker, you need to ask yourself that, that question. Does this person know Christ? Because what happens if they die? And I, I don't like guilt theology, but I want you to think about this. You know, sometimes when, when people pass away, and I was like, man, I wonder if they knew Christ. I wonder if they were really saved. Why, why don't we just take that wondering out of the equation? Because there's one way to know, right? Y'all know I'm a Viking fan. Why? Because I tell you I'm a Viking fan. I like Vikings. It may be a bad choice, but I like them. Right? I know Gloria is a Packer fan. Because she tells everybody she loves the Packers. We shouldn't have to wonder. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Because if we ask the question, we're going to get the answer. There's salvation in no one else. Peace with God is only found in Him. Do you have that urgency of the gospel? Of sharing? I know, I know the world is busy at this time and I know that, that uh, there's a lot of things that can distract us. I, I know that. I hear it. I feel it in my own life. But I want to challenge you, really, to, to keep your eyes on Christ through this. Whatever decisions you need to make in the next few weeks, keep your eyes on Christ. When you're out with your friends or family and loved ones, keep your eyes on Christ. Focus on Him and what He has. When you're meeting with somebody and you don't know quite what to say, focus on Christ. And maybe in a silent prayer in your head, say, Lord, give me the words, because I don't exactly know how to do this. It is he that will do it when our dependence is upon him. We need the urgency of the gospel. Let's pray.